Alright, and we're live! Hello and welcome everyone for the third official episode of the Sunday Night Drive Tech Podcast. I'm joined again with Noah this week. Noah, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. It's a nice day, and I'm ready to start talking about all these cool things we have to talk about. Awesome. We got a lot of really cool things to talk about today. Uh, First, we're going to be talking about some virtual reality stuff, mostly the Valve Index, and a bit of more uh, other things like some trainings that people are using VR for and some other things like that and then we're going to kind of transition into some more AR stuff we're going to be talking about some augmented reality and we're going to kind of be doing a bit of a debate on that getting both of our opinions on both which one's really more practical kind of the advances in both and then more the usual tech deals and the tech troubles of the week so yeah let's kind of just jump right into it so uh Noah you have a tech deal this week let's uh let's hear that Sure. Mine's a graphics card this week. It's a, a Gigabyte Radeon RX 570, mm-hmm. and uh, it's comparable to the GTX 1050 Ti. It's actually a little bit better, but it comes about 20 30 bucks cheaper at 139 bucks. whereas the 1050 you can get for around, I would say, 170 180 So they're still really great graphics cards whenever you're gaming, but they're very, very cheap, at least right now. And it's definitely something to look for if you uh, want a game and you are on a budget, mm-hmm. of course. Right. And I actually know that in your ThinkPad right now, you're running specifically, it's an AMD Ryzen, and you also have a Radeon graphics card in there. Um, how has that been treating you? It's not necessarily a gaming graphics card, but mm-hmm. I can play some some lower-end games on the highest settings. It's great. I, I haven't had any troubles with it, at least, and I think that a RX 570, although I've never personally used it, would probably do whatever you want it to. So what do you think about kind of AMD more in the uh, graphics and even in the processor market, really? Like coming in with a lower priced product generally, but, you know, something that is maybe not obviously quite as good as something that's either Intel or NVIDIA, but, you know, they're like very much competing, I I feel. Yeah, I never liked amd and i never used them i just had this thing against them i always used intel and i I never wanted to use anything else but Mm -hmm. now that i bought this thinkpad and it has an amd uh for both cpu and gpu i think it's great they run fine my laptop never gets hot so i never worry about any heating issues and everything spins up real fast you saw how fast my laptop started right which that's you know more hard drive but still the cpu is cranking all this stuff out when I want it to. Right, right. And I know that with AMD, actually in the past, we've kind of heard things about them being notorious for running a little more on the uh, on the hot side, but it sounds like you haven't had any issues with that at all recently. I've actually, I was genuinely surprised. My laptop runs very cold, actually, uh, no matter what I'm doing. Right. And it's actually pretty thin, too. So I'm actually surprised that it's not, it's not drawing a ton of power. So that's honestly really good to hear. Yeah, and if anyone's curious, I'm I'm using a ThinkPad E four eighty five with a AMD Ryzen seven processor, the twenty seven hundred U, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, that that graphics card. Going back to the the tech deal, does sound like a pretty good deal for this week. Yeah, yeah, of course, and uh, I think you have you have your own thing to talk about. I do, Noah. So actually, this week we were looking at some uh, monitors for our friends actually who are doing basically another different business project and we're looking for the best monitor for kind of their theoretical business and i was looking around online and i found one that i thought was actually a pretty good deal it's one that comes in from scepter 
not a super like well-known company, but I actually do have a Scepter monitor myself. So this one's actually a 24-inch curved monitor. It's got a 1920x1080 resolution and it has a 144 hertz refresh rate, which is really, really nice. Um, that'll be super crisp and smooth. It has a three millisecond response time, so it's not quite as low as we might expect it to be on some like higher end gaming monitors, because usually those fall around somewhere around one or even less than a millisecond response time. It has the ability to use AMD FreeSync, which is nice to see as well. And then it actually has three display inputs. It has one HDMI 1.4, one HDMI 2.0, and then one Display Port. So off the HDMI 1.4, you'll be able to get up to 120 hertz refresh rate at 1920 by 1080, and with the HDMI 2.0, you'll be able to get 1920 by 1080 at 144 hertz, and then also the same deal with the Display Port as well. Um, and then it just has a standard audio out, and then it's just pretty standard power adapter. It's it's really a nice looking monitor. And right now on Amazon, it's coming in at $159.87. It's actually listed as an Amazon's choice right now. So, you know, it's probably a pretty good deal. And it's just really cool to see because I know that in recent, they have been coming down so much in price, really monitors like this. And generally anything that has a tagged 144 hertz refresh rate, you're going to see probably clip around the $200 price point. And it's just nice to see that, you know, this is coming down quite a bit in price. I think that that's much more affordable, you know, if you're kind of a gamer and you're looking to really get a monitor, you're looking to step up from a 60 hertz refresh rate into something that is going to give you a much clearer, smoother experience. I agree, and I can see that it was $180, and it's on sale for $159.87, so hopefully that stays for a bit. I know the laptop, actually, that we showcased in the first podcast Mm -hmm. went back up in price all the way up to almost $1,800. Wow. Yeah, and so these deals come and go pretty fast, so it's something you definitely want to jump on if you're considering it. And I know that... I don't post these generally in the links in the podcast uh, different apps, but actually on our website each week we do post the podcast and I post the links to these tech deals so you guys can go check them out. It is sundaynightdrive.tech and you're going to want to navigate over to the podcast tab and if you go down for each week we have our podcast listed there and then with each week we have like a bit of a description and then below that is where you'll find each of the tech deals for the week. Yep, so that sums up our tech deals for this week. Uh, Did you want to go ahead and shift into the trouble that you had? Yeah, absolutely. So this week I was trying to get more of a uh, an experience with the Windows Sandbox. So that was kind of where my trouble came in. And since switching back to Windows, I wanted to get VirtualBox installed and kind of get my VMs up and running. And I actually wanted to test out Hyper-V a little bit because I wanted to be able to give Hyper-V a bit of a chance where I feel like before I... I never really got to utilize Hyper-V, but having Windows 10 Pro, it's kind of nice that it has that hypervisor software that is built right into Windows. Obviously, you, you do have to go into the additional Windows features, and you do have to turn that on, actually, if you're in Windows 10 Pro, but it is nice that it's kind of still built into the OS. You just go in and just turn on the feature. But I, I wanted to actually give that a bit of a shot. And I, I was testing it out and it, it didn't, in my personal experience, didn't come quite 
as far as I would have liked it to in comparison to VirtualBox. So for right now, until I get more of the tweaking and everything done, I'm going to be sticking to VirtualBox. But my tech trouble actually came in when I was trying to utilize both VirtualBox and either Hyper-V or the Windows 10 Sandbox. They seem to kind of clash a little bit. So whenever I would actually start up either the Sandbox or, or Hyper-V, they, they would work both fine and everything. But then when I would actually open up VirtualBox, even when the other applications were closed, it would still give me a bit of a trouble. So every time I tried to start the VirtualBox VM, it actually would stop and fail every single time until I went through and did some troubleshooting, was searching online, and I didn't find too many good solutions based on the error that I had. And then I did find finally down through a through a Reddit post that someone had had a similar issue and they were just basically fixed it by turning off Hyper-V. And I went through and they recommended that you go through turn off Hyper-V and then restart the machine twice. And then that actually ended up seeming to work for me because once I turned off Hyper-V and I turned off the Windows 10 sandbox and restarted my machine twice, I was able to start my virtual machines perfectly fine. So I know right now that that's maybe maybe I'm a bit juvenile in that area. So I have to kind of do a bit more research and understand exactly what is going on. Maybe it just it's just a limitation in the software that it doesn't like two virtualized softwares running side by side. Well, to note on that, it seems reasonable that you know a computer would have trouble running Hyper-V and say VirtualBox or VMware at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I think Microsoft or Windows is going to run into a bit of an issue if Sandbox can't run in parallel to VirtualBox. Right. Because I feel like the Sandbox isn't necessarily a virtualized you know environment. Mm-hmm. And for a bunch of people like I know I have Linux running almost constantly in a virtual box environment and so if i try to do sandbox and that starts giving me issues Mm -hmm. it's going to stop me from using sandbox well it definitely is a virtualized environment i would say the the windows 10 sandbox but i think that maybe this will be something that they end up actually patching in the final 1903 release and we should hopefully see some more updates on that as it actually ends up getting released hopefully somewhere around the end of the month but I'll be curious to see if they actually end up fixing that. And if I end up finding something on that, I will definitely let all of you know next week. And maybe it is me being a bit juvenile in the in the topic, but I will uh, I will certainly keep doing research on that and definitely let you guys know next week what I find out. So Noah, you actually also had a tech trouble this week. Let's uh, let's talk about that. Sure. This is an ongoing uh, problem that I have, and I know why it is is going on. I have a micro SD card formatted with EXT4, mm-hmm. and right now I'm using a Windows laptop, and obviously my laptop can't read EXT4 yeah. because it's Windows. So my issue is there's stuff on this micro SD that I need. And right now I only have a bunch of Windows environments and I tried a little bit with VirtualBox to launch like uh, Ubuntu mm-hmm. and then maybe try to read it from there. But I couldn't seem to read the micro SD like it wouldn't transfer over. Right. So what I'm having trouble with right now is obviously reading it and finding an application to be able to read it on Windows which would be really nice if I could find something that would just integrate ext4 right into like the file explorer mm-hmm. so that you could open the file explorer and just look at ext4 files. 
Right. And so I know, obviously, that's a limitation in Windows right now. It just won't read uh, EXT4. I don't know if maybe there's particular software that can somehow kind of bypass that and allow Windows to be able to read that. I really don't know much about the subject, but definitely it sounds like at this point, maybe the easiest thing to do would be to end up just basically booting up like a Linux machine that you might have lying around or get get an old laptop, get Linux installed on it, anything you have with an SD card reader in it, just probably pull the files over and either put them back maybe on a USB formatted with something that Windows is able to read or perhaps maybe SCP them over now to, you should be able to SCP them over to Windows, I believe now. That might definitely work as well. But that definitely seems like a bit of an issue. And I know that it's probably not like super convenient for you to have to go and install Linux or something on that on a different laptop or whatever, just to pull off those files. But it seems like maybe that's the best option at this point. It honestly surprises me a little bit with Windows making all this headway with the Linux subsystem and and all the stuff that they're doing to integrate Linux right into their operating system right. that they don't have EXT4 yet to be able to just read. But that that's the issue I have going on right now. So I think we're going to go ahead and, and shift into our tech news. Yeah, okay. So I want to talk about the Valve Index. So Noah and I have actually been doing some research on this this week. And so the Valve Index is actually Valve's first in-house produced VR headset. And it's actually coming in at about $999 US, and that will include the whole headset, and it has some different base stations and things. Um, so this is Valve really taking their step into the into the VR market and, you know, stepping toe-to-toe with HTC and the Vive and Oculus and the Rift. And so basically, just to kind of run down through some specs here real quick, the Valve Index will have two uh, lenses on each side which will have a resolution of 1600 by 1440 per eye they are lcd panels and so the lcd panels are actually being used over oled panels to basically reduce the screen door effect is what they call it which is basically nothing other than when you would look at the picture in the virtual reality it would almost look like you were looking at it through a screen door which apparently was caused by using oled panels but instead, they'll actually be using LCD panels to kind of reduce that. And basically, the way it reduces that is by having a better fill factor. And Valve claims that it has a three times better fill factor than, than the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive. So that'll be really nice to see. And one of the other really great things about it is its awesome field of view. So it has a full 130 degree field of view. So that's going to be really, really wide. You'll be able to see quite a bit of real estate when you're really looking out over a landscape or whatever you're looking at whenever you're using the virtual reality. And beyond that is actually the refresh rate of this headset. So this is, I believe, the first headset that's been released in virtual reality that will support up to 144 hertz refresh rate. So I know that Obviously, using the Gear VR as a comparison is probably not, you know, the best comparison because that's that's pretty low quality VR, I would definitely say. And that's been most of my experience. And, and I know that using a 60 hertz refresh rate or even lower makes me personally like ill after using it for, for too long. So honestly, I know that basically the experts say to use something that's around 90 hertz or higher. And generally, that's what keeps you from getting sick but seeing the 144 hertz refresh rate in this headset is going to look really nice no you want to talk about some of the more cool features in the uh in the new valve index sure so it's made to be uh 
very comfortable to all heads. So it's got various things that you can do to adjust it with whether it be a uh, like a little back knob to tighten it to your head or some focal lens adjustments in the front and things like that. Did you mention the two pass-through cameras that it has? So you'd be able to see through, you know, kind of be able to move around a little bit and whatnot. That'll be really nice. And actually, the headphones that it has are, are going to be really nice. They don't actually sit on your ear. They're really more of an off-ear style, which Valve says is going to make it seem like a more natural environment when you're using the virtual reality. So it's going to make the sound sound very more, much more in your environment rather than that you're in a game. So it's really all about that immersion. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really cool to see, but definitely going back and talking about, you know, some of the really cool things in this. I think the biggest things in this headset are definitely going to be the refresh rate and that field of view. I think that that, you know, taking that step over the competitors is definitely going to drive some, some of the customers really towards valve in this one. Yeah. And I mean, there's a few other things that they're doing that we'll talk about here in a sec that are really going to sway some people into using the Valve Index over their competitors. But for now, we can talk about the requirements that you need to, to even run this on a computer. With any VR, I mean, it's going to be a lot. Yeah, no, It's going to be quite tasking on your system. So they have a minimum of a, a dual core with hyper-threading and 8 gigs of RAM, and then a GeForce GTX 970 or an AMD RX 480. And then they recommend a quad-core plus or NVIDIA GeForce GTX 1070 or better. Yeah, that's definitely an intensive thing on your system. And we also did want to mention that this will be available on, obviously, Windows 10, and then it'll also be available on SteamOS and Linux to be able to use. But Noah, I know the thing that you were probably most excited about beyond really the refresh rate of, of the headset and really that field of view is actually the controllers. These are pretty interesting, actually. The controllers are by far one of my favorite parts of this. So they are designed differently than most controllers, whereas most controllers have a strap that goes around your wrist to stop you from you know, throwing the controller into a wall or something like that. But Valve took it a step further, and they designed the controller to be fastened around your palm. So now you can let go and grab things and the controller stays right there in the middle of your hand. And this allows for all sorts of things. So they have uh, pressure sensitivity, which allows you to essentially squeeze items. And it'll show that in the game based on how hard you're squeezing or how light. And they have finger tracking. So you can do various different things with your fingers. You can like do the finger guns to somebody or something like that. And the biggest part of letting all of that work is fastening the controller around your palm. And we're actually starting to see a company try to copy that design. But those controllers, coupled with the enhanced finger tracking that they're really refining, is really going to make VR more immersive than it already is. I definitely agree that those steps that Valve is really taking are really all about the immersion. And that like whole tracking technology with your fingers and everything that's going to look really really awesome i know it's only supported in a few titles right now but obviously as we kind of see the valve index really come more into light we'll definitely see more developers probably taking that into consideration and obviously the pressure sensitivity in the controllers and things like we had mentioned that that really adds to the immersion i think i actually seen in some of the renders and and 
gameplay that I saw, it actually showed like picking up, say, a mug or something like that. And then depending, obviously, if you just picked it up or if you kind of squeezed it, it would like break the mug, which is which is really cool. And like obviously being able to pick up and like let go of items, but not actually drop the controller is definitely going to add to that whole immersion, as I keep mentioning. And me, uh, I, I do a little bit of VR here and there, and there's nothing that kills it more for me right now than whenever you start a new game and it's like, okay, so I reach for an item, but then I have to press a button and hold the button and to pick something up. It, it kills it. But with the new controllers for the Valve Index, I'm going to be able to reach over and grab that item just naturally. And that's really what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it as natural as possible to really immerse people into the game. Definitely. And I know that actually looking at the controllers themselves, they will be charging with USB-C, which is really nice to see. And they're expecting around seven or so hours of battery life for the controllers. So I'd say that's not super, super great or super terrible, honestly, in either way. Seven, seven hours is pretty long, but you know, maybe you don't want to charge them all the time. So you're going to probably want to charge them after each time you're using the VR headset. I think these days you don't want to go much over, what, four hours inside of a VR headset? That's I think true. that's extensive. So you might be might be able to get two uses out of them before you have to charge them. But like you said, the in general, the best thing to do is just plug them in when you're done. Definitely. I really think that this release is all about making VR more immersive. And I really think that Valve has kind of taken a step beyond oculus and you know beyond htc and like i think they'll really make their name with this one i i really do sure and it it comes in a little more expensive obviously than the other ones but for all of these features that we're spouting off right now i think personally i think it's more than worth it i definitely agree so we actually want to talk a bit of more about vr though kind of transitioning a little bit into kind of some of the use cases of vr we're seeing more and more so, Noah, you had actually done a bit of research on a group of police officers using virtual reality to basically train. Yeah, this is taking place in Brooklyn, New York. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is they designed this. It's in a warehouse, just an empty warehouse. But they designed this VR type of backpack that they can put on. And it's a computer on their back, essentially. But it allows all the police officers to put on VR headsets and then a scenario is loaded up on all of their headsets for them to do different training exercises. And these exercises are based off of real-world incidents that have happened, and it's made to train police a little bit better. And with the immersion of VR, mm -hmm. it's made to really get that, you know, this is bad and this is happening into their view so that they know how to, to react to these things. And so it's, it's various things from breaching into buildings where there's someone with a gun holding hostages or all sorts of things like that. And they can spawn in different people like uh, a kid with his video camera out recording the incident and, you know, how that person's in danger and what they should do about that person if there's an active shooter just down the block, something right. like that. And there's reports from them, the people that have taken the training, and they said that it's actually really helpful and it's really enhancing their training and it's a lot better than anything any book could ever teach or even a training academy because it really puts you in the scenario. 
I definitely agree. I think this is probably more immersive than most other definitely trainings and things like that. It kind of like, as you mentioned, really puts you in that moment. But one of my questions about this is, as far as the immersion goes, is obviously VR's kind of lack of ability to really move too much. And I know that that's kind of my complaint with VR, obviously right now, and in kind of all aspects of it, it's just like the lack of mobility. Your body is not like moving around too much outside of like kind of a, a particular space, obviously, that you have marked off with the base stations and for basically all the tracking. But I want to know how immersive this actually is. I, I obviously would have to test it myself to be able to know, know personally. Well, on that note, no, I didn't look too much or they didn't say too much into this, but in the big warehouse that they are in, they are moving. They actually walk. Really? Yeah. So they have like fake doors and stuff that they, they, you would press a button to open. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, everything is real. They are walking through just a big open warehouse, but in their eyes with the VR headset, they're either walking through like a dark hallway and they're scanning room by room or they're doing some various thing like that. So... It really adds to the immersion, being able to walk. And like I said, I didn't do too much research into exactly what they're doing, mm -hmm. but they are absolutely able to, to move around. And it's about as real as you can get these days. That's definitely more game-changing, I think, than being stuck, not being able to move, really. It definitely kind of r removes you from that experience. And I know that we kind of seen some attempts at like some VR-type treadmills and things, but yep. obviously those aren't as ideal and they just don't i don't think they end up being that good no i think it's definitely a technology that is going to be worked on a lot more in mm -hmm. the years to come but what you're mentioning is the omnidirectional treadmills right which is just a treadmill but you can move in any direction that you want mm -hmm. and although there's been some attempts none of them are that great and they're all a little wonky but i think the ideal situation in the future is to have just this little pad that you step onto and that's it and it, you can move in any direction and that'll really take vr to a whole new level i definitely agree and i i think that as you'd mentioned the actually ability for them to move around rather than using something like that where you know what even happens if you fall in that and that would just be that just might be bad yeah exactly but that's actually that's actually really cool to see VR being utilized in kind of in the everyday life. Yeah, and they had you know VR pistols and and different weapons and such. And what I can remember is they had little sensors strapped around their wrists and their ankles, so that might have played something to do with them being able to walk around. Right. Well. I don't know if we covered everything that we wanted to in that recap, but there was definitely a lot there. There was definitely a lot about this headset and definitely a lot about kind of VR there in general. But I want to move into some more talk about uh, augmented reality, which is honestly where my passion lies more, I think, than I think, Noah, you're definitely more into virtual reality. Yeah, I would say I'm VR and you're AR, but... We're talking about both, so I think we're going to start with the HoloLens too. Sure thing. Uh, Microsoft's attempt at AR headsets, and probably, in my opinion, the best attempt at an AR headset currently. Mm -hmm. So specifically, we're talking about the new one, which was announced February 24th. So this is a little old, but not overly old, and it doesn't have a set release date yet. But it is their new HoloLens, HoloLens 2, 
and you can pre-order it currently for $3,500, but this is not a headset for consumers, and they have said that several times. This is more of a headset for businesses to buy for their workers, mm -hmm. and basically their attempt at this headset is for a worker who is really hands-on all day, and they have trouble looking at their phone or you know getting maybe that email that they missed three hours ago right so this is really supposed to help them connect a bit more while they're doing all their hands-on work see i really like the whole idea of it being used for more hands-on things because i know when i was conducting a bit of research about this i had kind of seen a point brought up about people who do more hands-on work you know not really wanting to you know like sit at a computer all day and it just doesn't make as much practical sense to sit in front of a computer and maybe get a training it's it's you know really designed for people who are as i mentioned hands-on they're doing all of that sort of work and i know that coming from the college that we go to it's actually really nice because we do a lot more hands-on work than a lot of book work and things so i know that it's it's just really cool that we're seeing that even utilized in everyday life even virtual reality we saw implemented into kind of some different everyday life aspects but i think that this for businesses and things will definitely be a huge step yeah and back on the comfortability of the the headset since it's for hands-on workers you're going to be wearing this all day long they have completely designed it to be as comfortable as possible with doing various things to do that. I think one of the best things they've done is the lens actually sits far enough away from your face that you can wear your everyday glasses That is nice. to prevent any eye strain or something like that. And then the headset itself almost looks like a an oversized headband. I think that's the best way to put it. It kind of sits right on your head and padding on the sides was designed to be as comfortable as possible and it's very customizable to fit your head and unlike most ar headsets the lenses don't need to be lined up directly with your eye and they got away with this using waveguides that's what they call them where it's micro etching into the glass and that's what the lasers are shined through mm -hmm. as opposed to a normal ar attempt where the laser is shined off of something directly into your eye right to allow you to see that image and so Microsoft uses these waveguides, which are very, very complex, and I barely understand them, but they're claiming that no one's going to reach the fidelity of their waveguides for at least two to three years. Right. And I think that the field of view was actually so small on the original HoloLens that if you like looked too much or turned your head too much, it would clip off the images, and it really takes out of the immersion. And I think that's what I keep talking about, VR, AR, and even like MR. Or it's just the immersion of it. And it's just really how applicable it's going to be, at least in my opinion. And so them, you know, using that new technology, as you'd mentioned, with the waveguides and being able to really widen that field of view is definitely going to bring people in more, I think. Yeah, I agree. I know in the original HoloLens, that was one of the biggest complaints. You were almost looking through like this little box to anything and you could see all the clipping and everything when you turned your head, the items would disappear. Right. And they drastically increased the box for this headset. You can still notice clipping, they've claimed, but it's not to the point where it bothers you. Right. And that's, that's a huge thing. And just on a quick spiel here, I know they, they also said that their goal in the future is to have an AR headset that is no bigger than the size of a normal pair of glasses. 
that's that's really interesting. I really hope that the technology finally comes in for that, and then it would just be so much more. It would just be so much more practical. It'd be so much more easy to use. I would I would really think is just having like a small pair of glasses or whatever that you put on, and it's just able to. Yeah, and I think that would be something that everybody would start doing. Personally, if I could put on a pair of glasses and they're a complete AR headset, I would do it immediately. Right. And on that note, the North Smart Glasses are an attempt at almost an AR headset, but just as a pair of glasses. And the only difference being there's this little camera on the on the right side, almost like Google Glass, but it's on the inside of the glasses instead mm-hmm. of the outside. And basically, they're more of a notification type thing, almost like an Apple Watch, but in your right eye. And so it'll tell you the time and notifications on your phone. And it does allow certain abilities, like creating reminders for yourself, or it has a map type system. However, a lot of it still needs refinement. And you you can message from them, but we'll get into that in a bit because it's pretty clunky as it is. But for right now, so the glasses have a battery life of 18 hours, and they also have a built-in microphone and speaker to help notify you about notifications. But don't worry, that stuff can be turned off if you're in a, you know, a place where you need no noises, like a movie theater, say. They come in at $599, and you have to go to one of their stores to get them fitted to your face. So with the HoloLens, you don't need the lenses to be perfectly apart from your eyes and you know the exact right level but for the north smart glasses that's not the case they have to be fitted to your head and they have to be perfect otherwise you won't see the image at all because what they do is they shine the laser off of some sort of reflective panel directly into your eye to help you see the image wow so it sounds like these are definitely a step in the right direction but it sounds like as you mentioned they're not maybe quite there yet Definitely sounds like there's some things to certainly be worked on. And I feel like these are a bit of AR and kind of a mashup, like you mentioned, with kind of a smartwatch type of deal. I don't even know how much AR they really are, but it's, it's certainly in some aspect, I would say AR. Yeah. And just a, a little bit more about the glasses. The glasses themselves are splash proof, but not necessarily waterproof. So if it's raining, that's something to be a little concerned about. And they come with a ring to put on your finger that acts as the controller for the device. Mm-hmm. And so it just looks like a ring with a little button on it. And it's a little weird to put on your finger, but that's the system they took so far. And that's the best attempt I think we've seen yet for just a normal pair of glasses. So we can get a little into the glasses. Specifically, I want to talk about sending messages. So sending messages with these glasses is not as easy as it would seem. You can connect them to your iPhone, but you cannot send messages from them. So how this works is you can use the Alexa talking thing in order to create your message. But then the glasses will send your message to North's servers and save it and then north will send that message through an sms with their number to the person you're sending the message to and this is really weird because if a friend messages you and you use the glasses to message them back they'll get a response from a completely different number and that can cause a lot of confusion how do you feel about that that is kind of weird because it actually sounds like i do understand 
in some respect how it's like sending it on your behalf but i definitely think it's not very practical in my opinion it's definitely as i mentioned a step in the right direction till they get that integration kind of smoothed over all the way but as far as that goes that that seems a little bit strange to me yeah so there can definitely be some more support there but it's a good start moving on to the maps app you can look up places to go but currently it only supports walking so if you're in a car and you want to use it as a maps you can't or something like that Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really work that well so half the time it doesn't take you in the right route or it tells you to turn left when you should turn right and it's very clunky uh, as a whole right now so definitely more refinement there but it's a it's a neat idea being able to see the route right in your right eye and almost like a little line that tells you where to go and you just follow the line so, so hopefully that gets some refinement right so that actually is giving you kind of a line to follow really and that that's what i think the idea is uh-huh. but currently think of think of how maps do it right now it says go straight for this amount of time and then you'll do that but then it'll pop up with a little thing that says turn right now and then you'll see the little right turn and so you can turn right but currently it doesn't give you like a tracer almost Mm -hmm. but that is something i'd love to see but that is a very complex thing to do so i can understand why it's not there yet moving on to the uber app there is an uber app for these glasses but you have to be very careful with this app there is not much support so whenever you're looking at the app in the glasses if you press the button on your ring it will immediately call an uber to your location and that can be very dangerous. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they could definitely put a little bit more support in for that app. But that's also a neat idea, being able to call an Uber right from your glasses. I think really both of those things you just mentioned uh, really educated me more about them. And realizing that – so they definitely do seem more uh, more of augmented reality than I had originally anticipated. So at first I was kind of just seeing them as like another like quick like smart device or whatever. But – even though these things are a bit clunky right now, you know, and they don't have a ton of support for them yet, I definitely think those are a step in the right direction for what we want to end up having in the future, really. So, you know, you have these glasses on or whatever, and, you know, it kind of traces your whole route for you. That's, I think that's pretty neat. I would love to have something like that. But like I said, it's not quite there yet. And another weird thing, which I think could easily be fixed is, it can't currently control your music, and it can't answer phone calls. Okay. So if you get a phone call, your glasses don't matter. And I know personally, if my glasses could control my music, that would make me a lot more inclined. And I don't think that's too hard of a thing to do, almost like connecting with Bluetooth. But we don't know the technology that goes into these glasses, so it's just not there yet. So I actually wanted to ask a question about this. So as you mentioned earlier, do you only see the uh, display in a single eye? Yep, your right eye. You only see it in the right eye. Okay, that was that was my understanding, but I just wanted to clarify. So I think I would personally, in the future, like to see something that is in both eyes. Exactly, but we don't necessarily know 100% what it looks like. When you're wearing the glasses, it could be off-lifted, so it's almost in the distance, or it could be right in your face, but... To get the glasses, the $600 and the fitting, which you can only get fitted in a couple of stores in the U.S. and Canada. So they're not easy to get either. You'd have to maybe travel quite the distance to be able to get fitted for these glasses and put them on. But 
it could look a lot different than you might think, but also at the same time, I do think that left eye support should be there. See, I don't want to rip into into this company or into these glasses at all, really. Obviously, having not tried them myself, but it seems like they have a pretty premium price tag for a lot of plunkiness and, you know, something that just doesn't seem to be quite in a full build yet. This seems like something that should be more in an alpha or a beta thing. Yeah, I, I feel like the price tag is associated with the research and the development that went into the glasses more so than just the glasses themselves but hopefully if they keep getting more money maybe they can refine the glasses and really make them something special but that's something to be determined i really hope to see that these take off and and actually get a lot better and maybe see some support basically from the consumer market in that it'll help them hopefully develop and make a really good product that you know maybe one day we might all be wearing yeah. So is there something else you wanted to talk about? So we had actually mentioned quite a few different uh, VR and AR technologies today. And I really wanted to do a bit of a, a small debate about AR versus VR. And so Noah, I know that I know that you're generally more of a fan of virtual reality, whereas I tend to side more with augmented reality. Is that correct? Yeah, that sounds about right. So I wanted to talk a bit about the applicability of both really and essentially where where i see both of them going in the future sure do you want me to lead off or do you yeah want to go, go ahead? ahead so vr and ar they're both two you know upcoming technologies and they're both brand new but they played completely different roles whereas i think vr is definitely focused at gaming and just various you know gaming concepts like that Whereas AR is starting to take a trend towards the work life and keeping people connected while they can do their hands-on activities or, or their job without you know gluing themselves to their phone. How do you feel? I definitely agree with that in, in that sense. And I, I think that virtual reality, I don't want to say it has hit its peak because it definitely hasn't, but it almost makes me sometimes wonder how much more there is to virtual reality. And as we had seen earlier, though, it was actually being utilized by those police officers, you know, for that training. And that's definitely really nice to see because I was always really questioning the applicability of virtual reality in real life. But I'm starting to see more, maybe I'm being proven wrong here. Whereas I feel like augmented reality is something you could really, as, as we had mentioned earlier, apply in everyday life where you see these hands-on people really getting an experience where they're able to use like these different objects and interact with these different objects or maybe interact with like a button or a door or whatever have you. And I know just in my, my personal opinion, seeing like augmented reality be used for maybe seeing a piece of furniture in a living room, like where you want to buy a buy a couch or something like that and you don't want to actually have to go out and buy the couch and wonder how it will look in your living room you could do that right at the click of a button really and you know be able to see what thing would look the best in your house or maybe even you know see a particular hairstyle on a person or something even like that just kind of small it's just i feel like there's so much you can do with augmented reality and it really doesn't take you out of the real world where i feel like virtual reality is obviously kind of its own separate entity, its own separate world, whereas augmented reality is 
kind of enhancing the real world. Yeah, and back to my point, VR is for gaming, AR is for real world. The police that were training with VR, I think the only reason VR would be used in that scenario is because the AR technology isn't quite there yet. But being in the real world with the AR and still having the training scenario with all of the different, you know, the fake hostages and stuff for the training, I think that would be much better than the VR setup they have currently going. But I think they're limited due to the technology. I think I definitely agree because I feel like virtual reality is probably definitely ahead of augmented reality right now. Yeah. And back to what you were saying with AR, I think that from a real estate standpoint, you were talking about seeing furniture in your house and I was thinking... Well, that would be really great. What if you're trying to buy a house and you want to know what it's going to look like when it's fully furnished? Or what if you want to renovate your house and you want to see what the new setup's going to look like? And you could do sort of those things with with an AR headset as well. Right. And I just think that would be really neat to be able to interact with the real world and kind of enhance that and... I think that one of the other things I mentioned earlier was kind of the mobility aspect of it, where I feel like AR definitely has the potential to make objects seem more distant or or what have you and be able to kind of immerse yourself a little bit more in the aspect that you can move all around and whatnot and actually be able to seem like you're moving towards these real objects. And I think augmented reality is probably ahead in, uh, in the mobility aspect. Sure. And how, how do you feel about augmented reality in the classroom? I, I'm actually really glad you asked that because I think that it's probably something we'll see a lot more in the future in that really like that hands-on experience like I keep mentioning with augmented reality because obviously we know that some students don't learn quite as well from a textbook or something like that and they learn better from hands-on experiences. And I feel like maybe kind of in this digital age, where if you have to maybe buy a particular piece of equipment or something like that, it's going to you know keep racking up the price or whatever. And obviously, as the kind of equipment keeps keeps changing, but if you were to go and use like an augmented reality headset and really make that experience something that feels real, I think that maybe we might see more schools, even younger aged people we might see interacting more with these different objects and things in in augmented reality. I think that's probably definitely where our future is headed. And a a great thing about the augmented reality is what if you're learning, uh, say, what's inside of a laptop? Well, you can get a laptop right in your AR headset and you can tear that thing apart and you can see every single piece inside of the laptop. Is that something you think would be interesting? You know, Maybe you see a car engine and you pull that up in your little AR headset and then you can pull it apart and see how all the pieces work. I definitely think that seems really cool. Kind of as I was mentioning earlier, maybe you don't want to have to go out and buy a bunch of laptops. And it's obviously not practical if maybe you're teaching a mechanic or something like that. You're not going to go out and buy, you know, however many engines or whatever that you want them to kind of break down. But, you know, being able to kind of bring that into the classroom and, you know, maybe be able to have each student have their own independent experience, move at their own pace, be able to interact with these objects, how they would normally interact with them. I think that that, I think that maybe could be our future of teaching. Yeah. And as far as VR goes, I think personally that the omnidirectional treadmill we were talking about is going to get refined considerably 
and the headsets are going to be considerably refined and then that's going to you know segue into the new gaming that we we know and love and i think that might be where the vr headsets cut off whereas the ar headsets they can get immersed into our daily lives for years to come especially if they get refined down into a a normal set of glasses right Noah, do you have any other topics or anything that you'd like to discuss this week on the podcast? I think we're good. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for taking this drive on the IT Superhighway, and we'll see you next time. 